Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains Adventure Podcast. This episode's guest is Nick Morris. Nick is a mountain guide and just an, a climber and a lover of outdoors and mountains and hiking. This episode is such a great one, I can't wait for you to listen to it. We have such a fantastic laugh, the amount of times I had to cut out me having a little giggle. Uh, just for your listening pleasure was uh, was quite a lot, but um, I know you're going to enjoy it. Tales of Neudarts, tales of uh, doing Welsh 3000s, talking about your whys, your motivations, Nepal. It's right up your street, I know it is, and definitely the photos he shares on Instagram are too, so go and check out the show notes, check out his links as well. But it's already a long one, so with no further ado, let's just get straight into it. I hope you enjoy, and happy new year if you're listening to this at release. Nick, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Chris. Not bad, thank you. Not bad. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you're here because um, we've uh, we've been chatting over Instagram uh, quite a bit. You've obviously done some pretty mega trips, including Noidart, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, and like you were saying before, actually, you were saying how you're a little bit artsy. So the photos you produce, like, all look incredible. Plus, you know, you can't take a bad photo of a cloud inversion, can you? So. Well, no, to be fair, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, to be fair, pretty creative, but I think some of it's luck, to be honest. I'm not going to lie with the cloud. That's <laughs> um, charming. They're helping you out. I think you just got to be there at the right time, I reckon, sometimes, but try your best. Yeah, 100%. I mean, d- diving straight into it, um, you've got quite a, um, uh, I, 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 I probably just say inspiring story, to be honest with you. Um, so my first question really is just how did it all kick off? How, how did adventure start for you? Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll backtrack in time now um, to pre, pre-mountains. pre um, So before mountains, I've ridden mountain bikes my entire life. From it, I can't even remember starting. Um, and then I met this, uh, this random person as a young, a young teenager. Uh, we became really close mates. Um, but then... And I knew him when I was growing up. Um, it's quite, a, I guess, quite an important figure in my life at the time, which I didn't realise. Um, when I got to, what would be ten years ago next year, um, he died unfortunately kayaking. So you'll never get me in a kayak, as many people have tried to, and never happened. Um, but from that, then I decided when I was thirty-one, I realised that in I would be five years' time, um, which is now next year because I've just turned thirty-five. Um, in five years' time, I would be his age when he died. So I thought. I need a I need a, a story in life because I'd done the whole buy a house, got a job, you know, all good things, you know, as you do as an adult, if you like. Um, but I needed I needed something to be like sit down and go, oh, when I was, you know, 40, I did this crazy thing. And then that's the story. So um I decided to sit there one day and I thought it's the hardest thing you can do in the world. And I was like, quite like mountains, always like being outside. And I was like, well. Well, I guess I'll just stand on the top of Everest, I guess. That's probably the hardest thing you could do, isn't it? So I was like, well, okay, I was to say in that case, then well, do I need to learn how to climb for this, I guess, to get up a mountain, I presume. <laughs> so I uh, took myself down to um, the local climbing wall in Cardiff. I sat down and I just went, they went around the room and they went, um, oh, I'll start with your name and why you're here. And they just went around the room. Oh, hi, Em. My name's Emma. I'm climbing for fitness. Oh, my name's George. It looked quite cool to foot. Give it a go. Go around to me, the last one out of eight of us. And I went, oh, my name's Nick. And um, I want to stand on the top of Everest. And this guy who just went, my name's Nick. Stand on that what? And I was like, 
and my name's Nick. Or he goes, no, he goes, I heard you. He goes, no one's ever said that response before in my life. And I was like, oh, well, I need to learn to climb. So um, you've got to you've got to teach me, like you know. Um, and as I started to climb, and then from that, then started to go outside. And up until the age of thirty, I'd never even been, I hadn't even been at Penavan, like or Snowdon, or I'd, I'd never set foot in that I can remember in Snowdonia. So it was like a proper kind of a whole new thing. And I had, I had never touched a climbing rope. I'd never picked up a compass. I didn't even own a rucksack or anything. No waterproof jacket, nothing. It was all mountain bike up to that point. And so I, like, I got all this. I went to the mountains and I was like, oh, she's quite good, this. I quite like it. It's got further and further. Taught myself to navigate off YouTube. So YouTube it is invaluable. <laughs> you can do it yourself. You may get lost a few times, but that doesn't always hurt. Um, so off I went with my compass, got it wrong loads of times, got this coat from like stress pass and it was leaked. It was terrible. There I was, soggy and everything. And then basically fell in love with it and then thought, oh, this is quite cool. I wonder if I could t- take other people out doing this and then basically went through my whole ML and set up my little company out just doing a guiding people outdoors and and to be fair pretty much blossomed from that just needing a life story so I could sit down and go I did this crazy thing when I was younger it's really cool yeah not not to um not to dive into mine but we're talking earlier I can massively relate to you because I I was taking out life insurance um uh when I was uh when I was a few years ago this is how I started getting into sort of the more adventure side mm. of things um and, and she was going through the life insurance I was getting in trouble with my boss because it had lasted longer than my uh, lunch break the call had <laughs> so and she, and she came up to me and, and she goes right okay what, what hobbies do you have and I was like oh, nothing oh, <laughs> gaming no. question mark <laughs> and, I, and I just started thinking what the fuck have I done with my life <laughs> so yeah so um but but the, the tie in there that that links me to uh my sort of follow-up question there which is that i at least when, you know, when i was a kid i did have a lot of foundation material stuff to have gotten outdoors and into adventure but it just never really materialized fully for you mm-hmm. did you you talk about never having a backpack or going up snowdonia uh snowden in or penavan was there anything else you did as a kid um you know, aside from your mountain biking, that really kind of laid some foundations for you, or was this more of just a, a wake up call? No, I, I was it. So I was in the cadets when I was younger. So, yeah. do you mean like as it is, I was always outdoorsy. You'd always find me sort of coming back covered in mud or climbing up trees or doing the stuff back in the day. Obviously, I'm 35 now. So, back in the day, that's the stereotypical thing kids did. You know, what I mean, we didn't have phones. We used to do the whole thing of like we're knock on our mate's door for them to come out, like you know what I mean, or ring the yeah. doorbell, no text or anything like that. That was I was always we were always outside. We lived outside, so outdoors was always it. It was always a big part of my life, but it was always because I I grew up from a motorbike family, so my granddad did motorbike trials. And so that's always, there's pictures of me on his motorbike with my legs poking out each side on the fuel tank and that. So it's always been like an active sort of streak, if you like. Um, and my parents like going on walks around like the fields behind the house and that. Um, but the whole thing of climbing a mountains, that was literally just a whole wake up call of there's more to life than 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 going to work not that you know what I mean go to work buy a house all that jazz you need it do you know I mean you need the, the everyday things but I realized then that 
but actually weirdly it links as well to a quote I said when I was 17 and I realized this a few years ago I bought when I was 17 I saved up all of my Tesco money it's obviously worked part-time in Tesco and I bought myself a new mountain bike and back in the day it was a couple of grand and, uh, and my mum said oh wait, you know you spent all your money now and I said um and I remember we were driving back and I said to her I said yeah but mum I said I can always earn more money I can't make new memories and I said that when I was 16 so obviously there's always been something maybe sat inside somewhere and then when obviously Matt died and he went through all that I didn't realize at the time but it a few years later I did it had quite a big effect and it was at that point then I was just like woke up and I was like no I, there's more to this than do you know what I mean waking up and going to me it was like groundhog day every day and I was like no this isn't you need to go and see things and inspire things and then to be fair like it kind of lives through to this day because when I went to Nepal, like the one rainy day, it was May, May rainy day. And I was sat there, looked outside and I was like, this is no good, this. No, it's no good. So I went on the internet, literally bought a flight, booked a trip and everything. Took myself to, off to Nepal for a month by myself. So I got there walking around Kathmandu, completely by myself. And I was, off I went, me and my backpack, off I went around Kathmandu, like, Wondering, everyone's like, oh, you can't go out at night. I was like, nighttime, I was going out. Down the alleys, I was there. Like, doing not face, but probably a bit of, like, just just no idea. But I was just like, well, oh, let's do it. Like, do you know what I mean? Off I went. And it was awesome. But it was it was all stemmed from that point of turning 30, well, reaching five years' time for me turning 36. And it was, it, it is all linked to that. But then, from then, mind, it's been the adventures and the stuff that's happened has been incredible. There's so many like cool memories and trips and... I mean, how long were you in Nepal for that time? Four weeks I went for. Was that Everest Base Camp, was it? Yeah. Solo? Uh, no, I joined on with a group, much to my, my part in my... I would have gone by myself, but my parents were like, Nick, you come up with some ideas, but <laughs> we draw the line. Are you going to a separate country to walk around by yourself and I was like oh, okay so that was, they were just like you should really just pay somebody and I was like oh, all right. so I did it for charity and I to be fair I did it for mountain rescue because obviously the they went to you know the thing and um I think I raised in the end I think I got up to 1750 quid so it wasn't too bad for fair just trekking there and uh, that was that was pretty good in all fairness actually that was a re that was that was quite a, a pivotal moment in my sort of deciding on where my kind of why I wanted to do, if you like. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think the problem with um, fundraising and, and why £750 is, is, is a lot of money to, to raise. I feel like people have fundraised out. I, I don't know about mm. you, about 10, 15 years ago, I felt like if you went to Kenya to climb Mount Kenya uh, and, and spend a couple of weeks there, people would think that it was a charity effort and they're going to donate some money to charity. And now people seem to be kind of, I don't know if it's switched on to or, or wrongly assuming it's just a holiday for yourself. Why, why should I donate to, donate to charity? You know, like, like running, I, think, I feel like I could run five marathons in five days and I still wouldn't raise much money for charity because of A, the pandemic, mm. people are all fundraised out and out of money anyway. But I just feel like nothing's... Special. In fact, I tell you what, we were talking about newsworthiness before the uh, the podcast started today, yeah, we? We for, for yeah. some tangent reason. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
it's almost like it's just not people like desensitized now, aren't they? You know, even jumping out of a jumping out of a bloody plane, fifteen thousand feet, people don't even care anymore. They just go, "Oh, you're just doing that for yourself," and they just. I, I think it. I think it's like you said. I think it's because people think you're using the money to pay for yourself to do it. Absolutely not. If you do it properly, you are funding yourself, and you're just happening to raise the money. Uh, so I did. Went to Nepal, paid all myself, all my, you know, I mean, bought all the kit I need, all myself, and then literally, man in rescue got a chunk of. 1750 quid like just, just straight to them but i think that's the problem and there's a lot of it so i mean a lot of people fundraise yeah a lot of people make it uh, fundraising which makes you just think well i'm not you know i'm not going to give to anything because you know if to be yeah. fair if everyone gave a five or a tenner to all the charitable efforts that's a significant amount of disposable income gone each year so well, well yeah i was amazed i got that much to be honest i i set myself a thousand pound as my limit as not my limit but my like goal if you like and when I got to like seventeen hundred pound, I was like, "Crikey, that's quite a lot." I was like, "That's all right, that's fair play." Yeah, that's, yeah, it's mega. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't too bad. No, I took loads of pictures and I put it all on Instagram. To be fair, just so people could see it, because I felt like the people that had, like you don't you donate to things, but then I always feel I often feel that you'll give someone a fiver to go do it, but then you won't you won't see them do it, or you won't you feel like you're not part of it. And I thought I've got like Instagram, and I'll have wi-fi at various points i was like so i thought oh I'll just i'll just put it all on so i made just like videos basically all the way up and all the way down and so people were watching them and they could see it and i think that kind of it had they could relate to it a bit it more. Helps, yeah mm-hmm. yeah because because there's been studies done which um which which show that things kind of work on proximity so you know the closer you are um you know physically to something that the more emotionally tied in you are with it so mm-hmm. Delivering a video brings brings Nepal to the to, you know, to, to their eyes, like, to their hands on their phone. So, yeah, not a bad tactic. And I think the cause was, although it was man in I think it was like such a interwoven link to like me and mountain rescue. I mean, it wasn't just me going, "Oh, I go to the mountains a lot." This is for them. It was specifically kind of from an actual like quite big event in my life when I look back about it. So, yeah, and that would be like. Okay, like yeah, I can see why he's doing this. So there was a there was a proper kind of not just a tie in sort of me being like, well, yeah, I, you know, I go off the mountains, I might, might need them one day. This was coming from a place of it's like it's it's happened. It's emotionally part of my like makeup and life. So this is for this, and I think that's really why people kind of were more like, yeah, fair. They'd be happy to go for it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they weren't too bad. The people, and then they all learned the story then. And it was my birthday when I was there as well. So it was even better. <laughs> That's lush. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. Christmas Eve. I had, I had my birthday at Christmas Eve. It was my birthday. Great birthday day. On um, at Nampshire Bazaar, sat there, watched the sunrise. And then later on that day, we walked up. So I had a, had a bottle of Coke, it's really expensive, and it was after in the middle of nowhere. I had a bottle of Coke, treated myself, looking at Everest. And then I watched a film about summer in Everest in the evening at the cafe with the hot chocolate. So all in all, it was, and they made me a cake as well. That's got to be one of the best birthdays, surely. But yeah, they made me this massive pink cake. They all sang happy birthday. And I got a postcard um, with everyone that signed all the shippers and that. And I still, to this day now, so that was three years ago now i'm still friends with all the sherpas and and all that side of it so it's, it's really good to be fair yeah you, you know what for, for all the stories you hear coming out of nepal of westerners 
um, kind of treating Sherpas like shit. There are mm. so many people who clearly do not. <laughs> you know, you look at Adrian no. Brownlee, John Gupta. Because they're lovely people. Like the whole, from the moment I arrived to the moment I left, oh, it's fantastic. I never once felt, once felt unsafe, even walk around at night, never felt unsafe, never felt like, I mean, they're always friendly. They do anything for you. Like absolutely anything. And to be fair, when we were sat there, they, they, they carry all their stuff on their heads, don't they? With their parcels around their heads with a bit of rope. And I said to the one Sherpa, I said, how heavy is that? Because they're only little as well. I mean, they're, they're short people. And I was like, I said, how heavy is that? And he said, oh, not very. And I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, do you want to try? So I was like, yeah, right, and I'll give it a go. So I put this like band around my head. And um I sat on this wall and he goes, right, bend down, sit on this wall. And I went, okay. He goes, right, now try, now, he goes, now try and stand up then. Little did I know, mind, I'm looking at the door to the entrance where there's loads of other people stood there because I'm trying to pick this thing up. He's sat on the back, hasn't he? Oh. So he's, at it, he's, at, he's on top of it and I'm like, oh, it's really heavy. I can't move it. And all the Sherpas are just wetting themselves. And then he goes, oh, I need joking, joking, joking. Tap my shoulder. And he goes, all right, try now. Best of it was, even when he got off, I still couldn't pick it up. No, so really? I felt like my neck was going to break in half. It was unbelievable. And I was just like, fair play. I went, how far are you carrying that? And he goes, oh, not far, a few days. And I was like, Whoa. I was like, nah. A casual brag. Yeah, something about the like the UK, isn't it? Like, like I've got, um, I'm currently doing, back at university, doing a master's. And one of my lecturers is, um, is uh, from Lebanon. And his culture is, is just, you know, it's just giving. So I, I go to his office for a meeting about something and, and he, he like, he had a, like a succulent plant and he was like, Oh, do you, do you want to just take this? And I was like, no, it's okay. I don't need, and like, no, he, he tried to give me chocolate as well. And like, yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously I took the chocolate, but you know, it's Christmas, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's something fantastic about their culture compared to ours, I think, but mm. you mentioned goals you know, mentioned the poll Go- goals change and you hinted earlier in our chat um, that, you know, the ultimate goal obviously uh, for you is to, to stand on top of Everest. But um, I think you were hinting that you you put a bit more planning to it now and you've got a first 8,000 meter peak in mind of you. Yeah. So originally I set the goal of Everest because it was, you know, the tallest in the world and the hardest. Um, but that's when, as you know, I knew nothing about mountains. Um, <laughs> since then learning a lot about mountains I've um, I've changed it now to like to Makalu. Um, so it's not the highest. I think it's the fifth highest in the world. Um, but once I've when I've looked at it and read about it, I was like, that sounds that sounds like a bit of me. It's described as a, a technical eight thousand meter mountain, and I was like, yes, I like this. I do like this. So when you stand on top of Everest, one day I would love to do that. But this this Makalu, it just ah. Oh. Is you, you, I find you've got you to have like a bit of like excitement about it. I've got to be excited, like you said earlier. I've got to be excited to, to, for it to do, to do something, to get me to do it. And so this one really does. But I've all, and I've always said, I love the quote to be fair. I think I might have said to the Derma chat, and you've got to dream, if, if you've got to dream big. So if your dream doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. So like my goal, more my dream, prior to any knowledge of mountains was to stand on one of the highest in the world, which was petrifying. Cause you're just like, I have no idea how to climb. I don't even know how to walk on snow. Couldn't like get die by an avalanche or whatever. Like 
Today she had no idea about anything. You're just like blind. Yeah, quite big, isn't it? Like, but um, you just got you got to go and learn, haven't you? Like, set something that's too big, push you outside your comfort zone. You'll learn new things along the way, and then eventually, as long as you keep plugging away, you'll reach there. But obviously, you got to do it in steps. So the next one, it should have been Aconcagua last year, but good old. Covid decided to um, destroy everything of 2020, and to be or 2021 as well. To be fair, none of them, neither of them, are much easier to do really anything. Um, so it should have been Aconcagua, but obviously since then, because more times passed, like you know, things improved. Like you get better at climbing, you, you get better at various things. So I've always fancied Amadablum. So I think in the next one will be Amadablum on the on on the quest to my ultimate goal yeah well that's quite it's a very technical mountain isn't it it's only in the six thousands but it's gorgeous and um and technical is technical as shit isn't it it's um you look at that campsite and it's just like some tents that they super glued onto the side (laughs) i to be fair i showed it to my uh, my parents over christmas i said my dad was like oh what are you looking at and i was like oh i'm just planning my um the next mountain and he was like oh what's that one i think i said it's called abadabla and he went what's it like i went well and i was like most people probably for their you know first six thousand meter or whatever would would probably go for like island peak or mirror peak more of a trekking one and he goes well what have you picked i was just like i picked this one and showed him camp two with the tents and he went what's that and i went well that's a tent and there's like three of them there and four there and he went what they sleep in them I was like, yeah, yeah, sleeping there. And he goes, what happens if you roll off the side? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know, actually, Dad. Don't. I don't know. Just don't <laughs> roll sideways, like, probably is the, the best answer. So he was a bit like, blimey, like. But then, but then again, see, it's, I think part of it as well, which a lot of it with I find with anything in kind of like dream-wise or even just in like climbing in general, is it a lot of it's in your head, like the mental side of it. Like, I'm quite strong mentally, and I know, I know in myself that I could get to the top of Abu Dhabi. Like, I, I, if I get a bit, I'm quite good at override. If I get scared, I'm very good at going, brain, be quiet now. Your foot is on a rock. The rock is hard. You're good. Now move that one. I'm very good in that sort of situation. So, like, I, I know I can get there. You've just got to kind of build up the technical abilities to kind of, put it in place haven't you put the jigsaw together so that's actually a lovely segue into what i was going to talk to you about which was mindset and and, you know your views on mindset and the importance of and how you go about implementing it and i'm sorry for chucking three questions at you there but you know it's nice when you get someone on who's not just kind of tough as like tough as how mindset you but you're you're massively positive with it as well you know like what, what are your views on the whole the whole situation with that Yes, uh, well, mindset is it's a good one. Mindset. So you, you got. I do think you got to be. You got to be positive. I mean, if you, I do. But if you go into anything with the mindset of all oh, that, might. Oh, I don't know about that. Chances are you ain't gonna do it. Yeah. Because you've already told yourself. You've already told your brain that there's a five percent chance you're not gonna do it. Obviously, you shouldn't get summit fever, as they call it. But then that's where your pragmatic brain has to come in. So in my previous jobs, I was an engineer. So I've got 
I've got a very logical mindset and very sort of I'm very good at like gut feelings instincts combined with practicalities and logic so if I got to a point of I don't know 6,000 meters 150 from the top and I was like mm, this I can't do this because of blah 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 and it was an actual logistical reason or whatever then I'm very good at being like now turn around but then I do think you've got you you have got to go with the out with the outlook and thing of I can do this because then chances are you will because your body your your mind will always give up before your body will your body can always you'll always be able to take more it's your mind that will that'll do it so I always try and stay positive as much as I can but then combine it with a logical element as well because you don't want to be reckless in these things but then but then at the same time nothing's perfectly safe is it there's risk in it. so it's all about managing risks i mean you, you stood on a, a piece of snow that's effectively resting on a piece of rock <laughs> so it is it, it's all risky in some way you've just got to decide the level of risk a bit like that 14 peaks that's just come out when he went up k2 and everyone was like no no i can't do it can't do it and the guy was like oh you're all propaganda and he was like I, don't, I can do it and I'll bloody show you now and then the next day you went up and put the lines in well what I found really interesting about that was when they were like they were, when he, they were like well they keep trying to lay the lines in the day when the snow's melting so I'm just going to go up at 1am and put the lines in that's his positive mindset isn't it and then from that then he went and did it and then they all summited so without the guy, the guy in the video that goes oh all this propaganda I was thinking you gotta eat your words now because you wouldn't have summited if it wasn't for the chap that was literally beaming positively to put the lines in you. So I do think it is head game is a big thing with anything that you do. But then as well with the head thing as well, the mountains are great. You might come on to it later for sort of like mental health side of it as well. And they're in that regard, which is a different, you know, part of mental game, but it's still part of your brain uh, is invaluable for that. And I don't think, to be fair, people truly realise, and it's very hard to put into words, the effect it has on yourself when you put yourself in those situations. Yeah, uh, very, very good point, actually, because, you know, the gym, for instance, and I have spoken about this before, so OG listeners of the podcast will, will, will I'm sure, remember me waffling about this at some point. <laughs> um, but how, you know, the gym as the most, I suppose, the most commonly known thing, version of exercise, like uh, probably up there with running as the most sort of accepted form mm-hmm. of fitness. Um, yeah. um, you know, you can train for life with it very effectively you know when you're squatting heavy mm-hmm. weight for instance you know it's very easy to sit down with it but then to push back up again <laughs> like, when, when you're going for a one rep max you have to like really dig deep but the mm-hmm. same thing applies it's not just um you know get, being a gym rat in the in you know in your local gym it, like you like you say going into the the outdoors and whatever your your uncomfortable zone is whether that's running a 10k or whether that's climbing, you know, Gogarth and, and just like dying of vertigo, <laughs> you know. Uh, you well, know, it, it's, yeah. um... Because the, the, I think the good thing about the outdoors as well, you kind of mentioned then, is everybody's yeah. is different. Like yeah. somewhat you could, I don't know, some, pe- some people find Penavan like 
a crazy challenge. And when they get to the top, they're like chuckling themselves. And it's like, do you mean to me? That's not a challenge, but to them, they get to the top and they're like, they're like mega pumped. And you're like, that's awesome. And when I take people out, like you kind of don't appreciate your own fitness sometimes, I think, because you'll take people out on like guided things like you know wild camps navigation courses and you'll be walking around with your massive bag on like perfectly traipsing away all day and they get to the end of the first day and they'll be absolutely blowing and you can you can see it in their face you can because there's all the little signs you look for throughout the day and you can just gauge you can tell when people are getting just so much they just want to take the bag off and throw it down the side of the mountain like whatever and so you get to the top and you can tell that they're absolutely blowing right but then at the end of the trip, you say to him, you say, oh, was that good then? You know, did you have a good time? And anything, because I always ask for improvement. I say anything you think that I could have done better because, you know, it's a two-way. You can always improve, can't you? So I say anything that you think could have been better or done in a different way. And they're always there and they go, oh, they go, that was awesome. Even though the day before they'll be like, you know, absolutely hanging. And they'll, you can tell in their face that they're just like thinking to themselves, why did I sign up to go and sleep on top of a mountain carrying this massive bag? And then they get to the end of it and they're, they're loving life. They're like grinning, they're beaming. And you get the message through and they go, oh, thanks for what we can do again, another one to five. And then you see a, a post like on Instagram, like a month later, and they'll have took themselves off somewhere with their tent. And they'll say, when at while camping, had a nightmare because the wind blew our tent over. And in my head, I'm thinking, although it's you know I mean? you've got to be relatively sensible but at the same time i'm like that's awesome that you've actually just gone and done it like yeah you've had a you've had a nightmare because you've gone in the crazy wind and your tent's flattened like but unless you try you never know and i was like from now you've learned now this wind is no good for sleeping in my tent like so i do love that side of it seeing people kind of that like them like loving life after their little accomplishment or whatever the accomplishment is while camping and going up like the Glidus. I had someone to be fair that I took up um, Triven and they were scared of heights and um, they got halfway. Well, actually, no, North, got, Northridge? They cried, they could, yeah, just the Northridge and they, they, they cried a few, they cried a few times and um, I was like, oh, blimey. I knew they could do it though because I, I knew them anyway. It was a friend. Um, I knew they could do it and they cried a few times and I was like, oh blimey Nick you've picked a cracker here like and um but they got to the top and in the end of it then they come down and they said like a few weeks later they were just like oh um thanks for like making me do it like not that I wouldn't have let them turn around but I was like no you've got this you've got this like just put your hand there put that there but and then they get up that little bit and then they walk a bit more than nothing next but and a few days a few weeks later they were just like oh thanks for like thanks for like making me do it because I'm really chuffed with myself now they didn't see it to begin with they were like I hate you yeah. Why did you me up here? Like, <laughs> but then a few weeks later, they were like, oh, it's really good, thanks. So I do think it, it is living in discomfort. A lot comes, and I do think this, I, this is the uncomfortable. I never used to want to be uncomfortable, but since, like, I had my life epiphany, if you like, we'll call it, um, I have, for some reason, I get a lot of enjoyment from being uncomfortable. It's it's weird. It, you should, it doesn't make any sense in your head, but from being in an uncomfortable situation, I then I'm just like, yes, this is awesome and I'm loving it. Well, it's the difference between existing and living, isn't it? Mm. It's not it's not a comfy ride. Like like Noida, I mean you'll come on to that in a bit, but that was day five of that, of seven days. 
day five was I was hating life. Like actually, I was just I was done with flies, the midges. Um, my ankle was hurting. I had wet feet, and I was just like not liking this now. Hating <laughs> life, absolutely hating life. And I bet if people did, I pass anyone that day. Day five, I think I passed. I didn't pass many people in Noida because no one there. You end up speaking to the deer like everyone that's going mad. <laughs> but I was like. I think I passed like two people and they must have thought, God, he's grumpy. And he looked at him like head down, soaking footwear. Just like, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I always wonder, you know, uh, and, and now's a good time uh, as any, actually, to get onto it. Before we go in, uh, I don't know if you ever played Pokemon as a kid uh, on uh, on the Game Boy, but yeah. um, the cave systems you had in that game were <laughs> so complex. You used to be able to have, have something called an escape rope and you could yeah. use it. And wherever you were in the cave, it would take you out to the nearest exit. <laughs> And I always wonder when, when people talk to me about their like multi-day uh, wild camping treks they do. I always wonder if they were given an escape rope, <laughs> escape rope, would they at any point use it? You, that's the thing. That is the thing. But you get this that, that day five was the worst day ever. But I woke up on day six and I was like, nah, loving life. Yeah, loving but like, life. like Jenny Tuff said, said like, uh, like an, an expedition is kind of like a, a bad holiday by design. So mm. although there are days where you're miserable, like that's it's kind of what you're looking for. <laughs> like, yeah, like you, if everything goes well, <laughs> you you need you need that day where you're just like done with it because you you need the low to like offset the high. Otherwise, if you had a constant high, you I don't think you get the emotional circle that's involved with the whole thing because obviously when you like Noida was that should have happened last year as well but every time it was planned and I had everything in place to go and do it like you know cleared my work schedule or sort of stuff every time Mr Drakeford decided to go nah sorry you can't leave Wales so then I was stuck every time and it was infuriating but a third time I was just like I don't think I don't think I'm destined to get to Noida like I, I don't, <laughs> I'm just never going to get there like this way. So I just sacked it all off. Like, I didn't bother. And I was just like, right, no, no, that's it. That was 2020. I was like, right, this going to go. 2021, going to Noida. So I went there. But you do, you get the whole circle. First of all, you get the excitement. Then you get the nervousness because you're like, oh, God, here, I'm by myself now. Like, no one there, like, miles away from anything. Like, you, especially Noida, like your car. And then you go in out, you get the knackered bit. Then you're like, oh, I'm a bit tired. Then you get the frustrated bit where the flies do your head in. Because you get the mega low, but then you get the mega high bit where you'll see something insane, like a mega cloud inversion or like some ridiculous like sunset. I mean, you need that entire circle. Otherwise, it's just, you, I think if without that circle, it just becomes sort of like a, it'd just be really flat. It wouldn't have the kind of, well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't sort of be noticed by the radar, would it? As a trip no. for, for seven days, well, that's quite a big, big loss. I mean, that now's a good time to get on the night. Actually, seeing as we, you know, we spoke about it so much. You know, before the podcast, we were talking about mental health and the outdoors and perspective, and you, and you were talking about how, and, and I agree with you. The reason mountains are different to the jungle and to the deserts is is the perspective you have. Um, and and the open space and the open areas um and with you know with those height variations mm. and there's plenty of that in um plenty of that in no noida so um yeah let, let's get let's get into it why why noida 
when was it what was the plan did it change <laughs> okay so well to be fair i'd never obviously i'd never heard about noidot until um when i done my ml the when i done my training one of the instructors went oh you should um yeah you should just go to noidot there's nothing there it's really good for navigation and i was just like oh yeah fine no worries and then just didn't think anything of it and then um as, I, as I've gone by, because uh, I've gone up to like winter climbing in Scotland and I've gone up and like hiked about. And as I've been looking at the maps, I, n- I now get a map and this is how I determine my Scotland summer trip, if you like. Winter trip's different, but the summer trip, I get, I go on like OS maps. I zoom out till you can see like the roads and I pick an area where the biggest gap between the roads are. So if there's like a massive gap between the roads, I'm like, this looks interesting. So then I'll get the maps for that and I'll have a look. So Noida, I was looking, I was like, oh God, there's like nothing there. I was like, there's a road in that just stops. And then, well, that's it then. And so I started looking at the maps, doing a bit of like, gone like walk highlands and then people put up their little routes or whatever. And I noticed a lot of people were kind of going like, from the car park, they'd go up like Southern Quiche and then down to Sowerleys and back out. And they were like, oh, monster day, monster day. Or they'd go from the other end through to Barrisdale Bay and then just go up. I'm terrible with the Gaelic names. L- Lewin, Lewin Venn? Something like that. And then I think the other one is Lather Venn? Something like that. We'll take your and word for it. <laughs> yeah, they're really hard to say. Like, we're some Welsh, honest to God. Um, so they go that and they kind of break it into small chunks. And I was looking at it and I was just like, nah, I was like, I'm just going to do it in one, like, I'm going to tick off every Munro. And if I go over a few more like Corbett's happy days, I just do them all in one. And I was like, paths, not so worried about them. I was like, do you mean? As soon as you can navigate with a map and compass. And I see a lot of it on Instagram where people go, what do you use for navigation? They're like, oh, you use like Kumu or whatever it's called. Or, and they'll be like, oh, what? Yeah, be like, what path to hike on? And I'm th- in my head, I'm thinking, Fair play, you're getting out in the mountains, but you're missing out on such an epic time because, A, in my eyes, you shouldn't rely on your phone anyway because it could break or whatever. Technology breaks, yeah. Yeah, and like when I went to Scotland, it decided, this is in winter, we went up up climbing, got into, it was in Glencoe up on the Three Sisters, got literally 40 minutes from the car, and it must have been so cold, my phone turned off. And I was like, oh, nightmare. Put my power bank in. And uh, didn't come on. Tried all day, wouldn't come on. So it was off all day. And I was like, a bit dangerous. Huh? Um, thank God, I had one of those little Garmin in reach thing as a backup light. As soon as I got back down to my car, and with the other people like, what, six, seven hours later, when it had obviously warmed up, it suddenly goes, turned on. It had like 91% of battery, so phones no good um so if you've got a map i think people miss out because if they get a map on compass they can literally look at a map and go and as soon as you can understand contours real way you can go i can get down that that puts me there no one's ever gonna have gone in there because there's no path there wicked i'll go up there okay that's wicked because there's, no, there's nothing there no paths or nothing so when i got to my routes for this but annoyed i was like oh well that looks interesting i'll go there so i've, I've got all my maps sorted my route um and then i drove up and the plan was to carry all of my stuff and i also i wanted to go for as long as i could in the time i had available 
because I had I had some work commitments to do the Welsh three thousands with my little company on literally the day after this Scotland trip. So I was like, I was li- in I was in two minds. I was just like, I'm either going to be broken after Scotland and then have to kind of like plug my way through the Welsh three thousands, which is obviously quite an ordeal in itself. Um, whilst leading like six other people, right? And I was like, oh, great. Or I'll be the fittest I've ever been. So it was a flip of the coin, wasn't it? And so I get so I planned my route, six days, all by myself, carrying all my own stuff. And I didn't want to buy anything. I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to see anybody, if, if truth be told. I wanted to go there because it's 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 remarked as the last remaining wilderness in Scotland. Um so I spent ages studying the maps of like what I could get up and down that was away from sort of the the well trodden bits if you like to try and get away from it um so I spent ages that made my route got there seven days carried all my stuff and a lot of people they'd go into Glendestory they walk right to the end and then shortcut up the side by Lodge Destory up onto the top of the ridge and I was like "Mm, I miss out like three three peaks then though and I was like, I don't want to have to come back to tick them off. Not that I'm Monroe bags, but if the opportunity ever came up that I was doing them, I wouldn't want to have to redo them. So I thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to hang a right straight away. Walked into the Glen, just hung a right up and over. Instantly, that broke me into Noidark. So I was like, my God, this is a hill. It wasn't even the proper hill. It was just <laughs> like a mound. Like, But I was like, oh, this is big. Like, And my bag at this point obviously was seven days of weight. So it was, it was heavy, and I was like, and I, I'm, I got it down now. Wild camping to, to a fine art. Uh, there's nothing in there that I either won't use, or don't need in case of an emergency. So I had my food is even nailed to like how much, how many bars I need for the day and everything like that. So all the everything was optimum what it could be. I think the only luxury I had was I put in a bag of Haribo as a treat just for when I got a bit like. Have some Harry. So I went over this first mountain or mountain hill. It's not a mountain in Scotland, it was a hill. Went over the hill and then walked down the side into this glen. And there was there was literally nothing there. All you could see was the ridge of Sugmore in front of you. The river, I think it was from memory, it was River King Kingy or something like that. Um Glen Kingy, which was you were in, and there was there was just nothing. There was just just like just surrounded by Glen, Glen in front of you, river meandering down, uh, like the ridge to your right, and it was there was nothing but just the silence, and it was outstanding. So then, th- I carried on then throughout the four days. I think the most people I bumped into was when I had to go through the village of Averni on the coast, and then it happens everywhere you go. I don't think you can avoid it. I went into the um, to the cafe, and I was like. Oh, I'm really hungry now. I was like, I'm going to treat myself to a sandwich. <laughs> so I, I bought a sandwich. I did cheat and that. So I bought a sandwich. And I was chatting to the boom and I said, where are you from? Your accent's not Scottish. She went, oh, I'm from uh, Cardiff. And obviously I live like 15 minutes away from Cardiff. And I was just like, you are joking. I was like, I've literally driven for what was the longest journey in the world because they'd closed loads of roads in Scotland walked for th- three days at this point and you're telling me you live literally 15 minutes away from me in South Wales and she's like yeah and I'm like that's just ridiculous like mad. <laughs> so I so they were the first people I bumped into in three days and that was only 
two people in the shop and I didn't see anybody again then for another two days. But no doubt, it, it's the space you've got there. So when you said earlier about like the mountains, that's how it differs to the jungle I would discuss earlier because there's, there's no, when you go to the mountains, you just it's you stood on top of your, you've got your tent, you, you stood there on top of the mountain and you look down and it's far. You look across and you can just see nothing but Munros and skies. And especially in Noidart Day, what day would it have been now? Four, I think. When I camped, I camped right on the top of um, Ladar Ven. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's the one with the cool summit and it's got like a vertical bit of rock sticking out of the top of the, con- like the base. Um, and I put my tent up. And I was like, oh, it's a wicked sunset. And the sun, it was like Kenya, just a ball of like orange, just setting. Like the island, you could see the Cullens in the distance. You could see Ben Nevis the other way, like poking on top. And all you could see, Noidai is the only place in anywhere in Lake District, Snowdonia, and in other bits of Scotland to fair where I've gone and for such a long period of time, not seen anybody not seeing any car lights in the distance because in Snowdonia, obviously you can, you can see the roads going through and you can see the old car. There was no, there was no car lights. There was, I mean, there's no signal at some point. And you're just there and you're just like, there was, there was nothing. And you know that when you're sat on this mountain, you've walked for three days to your car. So you're sat there and you're like, right, this just me now with the mountain. So this, this, the highlight of this was, was this night. And I gone up, camped, I sat down. The sun was setting with the Cullens at the in the one side, Ben Nevis the other side. Sun set down. It was like bright orange sky. It was insane. And then it was a clear night. And I was like, oh man, that's awesome. So I didn't go to sleep then till like two in the morning because I was like, no, I'm going to stay awake now. I'm going to stay awake because I was like, the stars and the the stars. But it was millions. It was like it was a sea of stars. And there were so many, and because it was so dark, because there's just nothing there, you could see like all of like, you could, like see the Milky Way and everything. That, and I was like, that's awesome. So I stayed up for hours then taking night photos of me with my torch shining above my tent. Um, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to go to sleep now. So I went, <laughs> went to sleep. But I got a big day's mind after this, either side of them. So I, was, I needed the sleep for my body. But then, because it was still clear, I was like, it's going to be a banging sunrise now. I was like, well, I need an alarm. And this was like August time. So obviously it's, you know, it's pretty early, pretty sunny, pretty early. So I was like, oh, I'm going to set an alarm. So I set an alarm. So I had like three and a half or four hours sleep. Alarm went off and I was like, got to get up, got up. And then the sunrise was just unbelievable. Just like a ball, like literally Kenya again, a ball of, skull, of orange coming up. But then in the sunrise it was even better because I was sat there eating my breakfast. And on the top of the ridge, because it was effectively like a, a ridge, and there's only one place where I could put my tent, really. Just like further along the ridge, there was loads of deer. And they were just like, they weren't they weren't bothered that I was there. I think it's probably because at that point I absolutely stunk. Because it was it was August <laughs> and it was when we had that heat wave. <laughs> and it was it was so hot, right? So I'm there thinking it's Scotland. So I had and obviously the ticks in there, so I had trousers on. And I was like sat there and I was just like, these deer, they're not bothered. They even started to walk towards me like, and I was thinking, 
that can't normally they run away like but they just carried stayed there for ages and um so they were just munching on the grass and then the sun was rising and then when the sun rose as well there was a massive like cloud inversion so in the one night i think it's probably the best wild night wild night camping i've ever had there was like a banging sunset banging sunrise clearest sky i've ever seen and a cloud inversion on one night and then in, in Noida in total, I saw three cloud inversions. So oh, it, was, it was insane, the weather. I, I couldn't have got any better weather. That's mad. It was awesome. But then it was, it's just, the Noida itself, it's just so empty. And I think that's what you, that's, that's why people go. They, I think that's why people go to the mountains, to find that kind of like solitude away where they can kind of like de-stress their head. But then I think ultimately people don't find it as well as they could find it because they're never truly removed from it. There's always, as in like they can always see a road or they can see like lights of a town or they've got stuff on Instagram that they're putting on. So they're always connected in some way. Whereas in this Noidart trip, because I didn't see anybody for three days and I was just me in the mountains, it was a very peculiar feel. Around it was about after two days, I was like, I this this is I like this. By day four onwards, it was a really weird feeling where home became without not having any stuff became a very familiar normality in the sense that all of my stuff was in my backpack and I had my tent for shelter, my sleeping bag to sleep in, my sleeping mat to sleep on, and my food was in a few little pouches of dehydrated food. But then, and every day was the same, take tent down, walk, collect water, put up tent, boil water, eat tea, go sleep. And literally that became so familiar that by after day four, it was... It, it kind of, it kind of, because it was so familiar and it, and it was so simple. It took, it took like, I've written a thing for Montaigne about it, to be fair, like a, a blog and it's coming out in the new year. But it's, I speak about it in that. It's kind of taken life, but just back to its basic elements. And it was really surreal. Like you, you do get it in Nepal, but then you're surrounded by people and you can still get Wi-Fi and you've got electricity. Whereas because all of that was gone, it was. It almost felt like you. You literally had the essentials of what you need in life for anything, and that, and your brain was just clear as a whistle. Like that sounds just beautiful, but it's like so, like and and to have so many tick boxes that people look for and probably have from separate trips to have them all on one moment as well was incredible. I, I mean. <laughs> This is you know, the frustrating thing about what I do here is that if we were actually in a pub, I'd still be quizzing you for like another three or four hours. <laughs> but, um, but but we're coming up on time. And, and I'm, I, I want to ask you this last question. Well, two last questions, technically. Um, and I'm wondering if it's going to have to come from this Noidart trip. But, but I, I, like, 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 you know, like, from your entire adventure career, what is one moment that you would love to relive? I think to relive, I would go back to, this would be a random one, 
go back to the, the and it and it's probably not what you'd expect it's not really related to a mountain moment as such i would go back to the the time in may when i randomly decided to go to nepal because not because do you mean there's loads of other things i could pick like i was wicked sleeping on the top of noida or when i went winter climbing for the first time or when i joined but because i think that moment in may when i just made that literal the like split second random decision to book a flight to nepal and go to like every space camp i think because then in that moment it was just so random and just in it all it was fueled by was fueled by a desire for adventure before your brain could kick in and go mm, yeah but it is 3 grand or oh, you could use that for a new car because like because it was that moment and it was just literally pure like i'm going to go on an adventure click i've booked an adventure this is exciting <laughs> i think that moment because that is the moment it's the point of no return on any adventure because a lot of people have plans and i myself have done this as well and they go i'm going to do this and then they never actually do it but if they went i'm going to do this click and book the flight or bought a pair of boots for i don't know say that higher 8000 meter boots they went and bought a set or bought a down suit for a grand they're committed then so i'm going to i'm going to go with that moment because it is sat in my lounge on a welsh rainy day but then from one little click of a button it became like a mega epic like adventure i love that absolutely love that i'm going to go with that and then last question uh, by technicality which is um especially if you are um as frustrated as i am that we don't have more time really to talk about this stuff um <laughs> if we wanted to go and follow along with your adventures or go and check out the, the you know the beautiful photography that you've put up online where can we go or even hire you to take us out and show us show us the ropes now where, where can we go yeah no problem uh so i've got a website nicksoutdooradventures.com so that's the website um obviously instagram which is where i post just literally mountain photos galore um you, you there's probably a few stupid things of like i bought some new trad gear so there's usually a picture of me like jangling that around going like why not spoil myself um and that's nicks.outdoor.adventures and that's on instagram um if anybody would like to see the meganness that is noidar um i have made a little youtube video of it i say little it's 15 minutes long um and that was it was hard to fit in 15 minutes if I'm honest but I figured people would want to sit longer than that um and that's just on youtube and there's a link to that in my instagram and then 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 people can they can see it they have to listen to me talking for a little bit but there is some banging sunsets in there as well perfect <laughs> oh that's amazing well nick thank you so much for coming on the podcast that's been incredible thank you no problem thanks for having me i hope everybody goes out and just has a issue a mega adventure and if they if they mess it up along the way then it don't matter you learn from your mistakes then you say crack on and have a good time i say